Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. As we kind of take another step in this series that we're calling The Jesus Way, today I want to talk about the way of the vine. John 15 says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Lord, I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word today. We ask, God, that as we... um, Bring ourselves underneath the word, Lord, that it wouldn't just be a matter of uh, understanding what is being said, but Lord, in a sense in our lives that we would stand under what it is that we have heard and understood today. So we pray, God, that you would help our lives to be in alignment with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you as you're seated today. We're going to bring a little bit of energy uh, as we... um, you know, come through this. So I think, you know, I'm not a guy who is loves sleep so much. I, I enjoy sleep, but I, I don't mind missing an hour of sleep. It's just, you know, you're not going to get any tears out of me. There's not going to be like a small violin playing in the background as you tell me about the hour of sleep. You guys are the ones. I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are the ones that are here. The other folks said were like, you know, man, I can't get up today because 10 a.m., it's actually 9 a.m. You know, I, I don't know what to say, you know. Uh, and churches all over America, attendance drops on this day because people are like, an hour of sleep, but it's okay. We're going to make it. And then to those of you who are watching from home, God bless you. Um, <laughs> we're all going to make it. It's going to be okay. I, I, love, um, I love the fact, though, that when we get together like this, uh, it's just a moment for us to really, uh, there's something powerful that when we are actually joined together. Um, as we have walked through, as we are starting now through this series, I'm kind of excited about what God is doing in me. And I don't know if I've said this quite enough, but I probably get the most out of my sermons. Uh, um, <laughs> because I get to do all the study and all the preparation. And I think God does more in my heart uh, as I get ready for this stuff probably than in yours. And the fact is I read, you know, the, the, the sources that I'm reading and the study that I do, I get so much out of that. You have to you have to ingest it through my, the filter of my words, which who knows how that's going to come across. But I actually get to read those, those original things. And I will say that as I consider the Jesus way, as I talk about the way of Jesus during these weeks, I actually am hopeful.
people that many of us will actually begin to shift our, our, our thinking from just being, here's what I do as a religious person, as a person who is a professing Christian or a church-going person or maybe a seeking person. I'm not ready to profess yet, but, but I, want, I want us to think maybe about shifting our mentality from that to an apprentice of Jesus, somebody who is apprenticing in the Jesus way. And all that that means, because when I really start considering that, it has so many more implications in my life than just do I make it to church on Sunday or do I, you know, do I do check off the boxes of things that a good uh, church-going person should do. But am I apprenticing underneath Jesus' leadership? That's what I'm hopeful for. A few years ago, I had my wallet stolen, and it wasn't just a normal wallet. It, I had just gotten back from a trip overseas, and so when I would travel, I would put my, um, all, of my, all of my stuff, my passport, my driver's license, my credit cards, in this one like big wallet that I would go uh, travel internationally with. And so in my passport itself, there were visas and stamps from over 40 countries and almost 10 years of travel at the time, and I had my driver's license, credit cards, all that stuff, and a whole bunch of cash in the form of euros, right? So I, it, it, it must have fallen out of my car as I was exiting. Um, I had parked on the street, and I was getting out, and there was literally a guy standing there um, next to my car, I remember, and he must have just seen it fall out, and he was like, sweet, I'll get that. So um, I had a quick meeting, and then I, as I was in the meeting, I realized that my, my, I didn't have my wallet, and so I, I went back to my car. I realized it was gone. So the first call that I made was to um, American Express because I was like, just going to have to cancel this because somebody definitely took this while I knew exactly where it had been. Somebody definitely took this. And so as I'm on the phone with the customer service rep, she says, actually, Mr. Andres, a charge just came through from your American Express card, and uh, it's at the Walgreens at Clark in Chicago. I was like, that's like two blocks away. I was like, don't cancel it yet. So I, I'm in my car, right? I, like, throw it in the drive. I pull, you know, I'm, now I'm going over to the Walgreens. I'm driving over there. And she's like, as I arrive at the Walgreens, she's like, actually, another charge just came through from the BP on North. And so I'm like, that's just a few blocks away. So I'm, like, going over there. I'm like, I'm going to catch this guy. And then she's like, and another, you know, so we went, we went like four places down the road. Julasco. I don't know. This guy was athletic. This is all I'm thinking of. Like, he... <laughs> I had like this growing respect for him as I was going through this because he is like staying one step ahead of me every time. And then she finally says this to me. She's like, um, Mr. Andres, what are you going to do if you find him? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going like, to tackle him. I don't, know, I don't know how to make a citizen's arrest if that's even a real thing. I'm just going to shame him. I'm just going to look at him like this, like... I'm not even angry. I'm disappointed in you. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't really know, and I never did catch him at all, right? Eventually, I gave up, and I had to cancel the cards, and it was, it was hard. You know, it was annoying to lose the cards. It was, it was hard to lose some of that cash, but the bottom line is the worst part about it was to lose the IDs because once you've lost all of your identification, it's very hard to prove who you are. Right? And I had to go about to, through that whole process again of proving who I am. Now, how do you prove yourself to be a disciple of Jesus? How do you prove yourself to be an apprentice in the Jesus way? 
There's no card that's given out. We don't have membership cards here at New City Church. That I don't even know what the benefit would be. They charge you more at a restaurant when you say, oh, you're part of New City Church? Okay, we'll, give you, we'll add 10% to that, you know, something like that. You know, who knows that there would be any benefit if we were to offer that? But we don't. We don't have a way of doing that, but Jesus gives us a way. He says, the way that you prove my disciple is that you bear fruit. That's what it is. You say, what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? Well, I think a little bit later on, if we keep reading, we see Jesus makes it clear. It has to do with the fruit of a life loving God, love toward God and toward other people as well, particularly those who are most difficult to love. So if you want a report card on your connection to the vine, if you will, then you need to check your fruitfulness. You need to check how well you are loving God and loving others, the most difficult to love. This is the deciding factor, really, of being a Christ follower. But here's the problem. There's no degree in fruit bearing in college, okay? <laughs> right? There's no, uh, there's no certificate that you can earn at work. Right? That, you know, says, you know, and now you are a certified fruit bearer for the, you know, there's no, there's no formal training that I know of that really makes this a thing. Because if it's our priority in Christ, then we have to ask ourselves, how do I actually do it? Is there a strategy that I'm to follow? Is there training and, you know, time in the gym, just sheer willpower? How do I do this thing? Well, let me give you a few points. Three points today, and then we're out of here. Three points, and we're going to get you out. You can go home and take a nap. Get that hour of sleep back, Okay. First one is this. Fruit doesn't come from effort. It comes from connection. There is no branch that I know of that I've ever witnessed attached to the vine or to a tree or something else that's just like trying to bear fruit, right? It doesn't happen. It only happens because there is connection right there. There's a difference, actually, between work and fruit. You, can, you can't speed fruit up. You can manufacture, you can scale up, you can do the work faster, better, more efficiently, but you can't speed fruit up. Fruit takes time, and it's the expression of life and connection to life. Jesus said, apart from the vine, the branch cannot do anything. Think about that. The picture the Bible gives to us is of a human race that has been disconnected from the life source. And it's almost like this, when you are cut off, you can cut that, that leafy branch off the tree and it can stay leafy for a while, right? It can stay green for a while, but eventually it's going to wither and die. When it gets disconnected, and I think that's actually a great way for us to understand what the Bible says when Paul says, you were dead in your sin. And you say, well, wait a second, we're all living, breathing, doing just fine over here. But we're not. We're leafy green for now, right? But eventually, because of that disconnection, the Bible says, ultimately, every one of us is destined for death. Fruit in our lives cannot come until we are connected. That's why Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? And so some of us are thinking, well, I can do a few things. But what Jesus is saying, there is nothing that is going to last. There is nothing of value that you can do apart from him. It has to be done in Christ. There is a lot of work being done. There, is a lot, there are a lot of things happening, but there's not a lot of fruit in our world, is there? There are empires being built today that will soon be forgotten. There are fortunes being amassed right now that are going to come to nothing. There are plans being made that will ultimately lead to nowhere because they're being done apart from Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, 
you can do nothing. John Wimber is a name that from many years ago, he was the pioneer of a church planting movement called the Vineyard Church Movement. At the start of this whole thing, he was very frustrated. He'd worked so hard. He had this thing he was trying to accomplish, this vision he wanted to see happen. And he was there, and he was praying, and he was like, God, don't you even see how hard we're working here? Don't you even see it? And then God spoke to him in this way that he just felt in his heart, like as if God was speaking to him. And, he said, and God said this to him. He said, John, I've seen your work. And I thought, that is cool. If God sees your work, that's kind of cool. Just, you know, you know, like he noticed it. But he said this. It didn't end there. He said, John, I've seen your work. Now let me show you my work. And I thought, what a great picture of what God would say to some of us. So much of our effort, so much of our work is being done, and it's, and it's frustrating, and it's coming to, to very little. We're not able to see very much because we aren't doing it out of connection. We aren't there connected to the vine. Jesus says, if you'll just stay connected to me, I'll do the work of bearing fruit in your life. This is not a message today about being passive or not working with all your energy and your gifts, not at all. But think of how different our efforts become when we are letting God work through them, when we are actually staying connected to the vine. It doesn't matter what your, what your vocation is. It doesn't matter whether you're a student. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, in business or in medicine or something else. It doesn't matter whether you're in ministry. All of us, have, it's possible for us to do this thing and try and do it apart from connection to Christ. How sad it is. I mean, just talk about an indictment on my people, all the pastors and, and people in ministry. How sad it is that we can try and do the work of the Lord without honoring or being connected to the Lord of the work. <laughs> how, how sad it is that we can have church and not really mind if God doesn't show up. <laughs> Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Busyness, hurriedness, schedules that distract us even from our own distractions. <laughs> this is enough to leave us feeling out of control and ultimately to keep us disconnected from any vital relationship with God. We lose our center. We lose our connection to the wisdom and the peace of God. It happens. It doesn't make us bad when it happens. It just means that we need to get a grip again and say, you know what, I, I need to stay connected. Uh, I've always done an actual Christmas tree, like not the plastic kind, but the actual kind that I don't know which is better or worse for the environment, but I, you know, I, it's okay, sorry about that. But we've always, I've always done that actual Christmas tree, and the thing is, you know, if you get it at the right time, you're supposed to get it kind of like, you know, right around Thanksgiving, then you've got like a whole month, and, and traditionally, I think you wait until after the new year to take it down, but by the time it gets to that new year, it, it, Jesse will tell you it is terrifying to me. I am on edge in that last week because that thing has gotten so dry that I feel like if you just, you know, just rub two sticks anywhere near it, it's going to burst into flames, right? I'm fearful of it because it's become so dry. And if you've ever seen a Christmas tree that's, that actually starts on fire, it's terrifying. It's like an explosion. Jesus said in verse 6, if anybody gets disconnected from him, they're going to dry up. It doesn't matter how long you water that tree, because we do try and keep water in it. Once it gets disconnected from its roots, it's ultimately going to get dried up. Now, there might even be some dry spirits in here today. 
I, I don't know, if, if all it takes in your life is a, a comment or a slight or an offense for you to like go off and just triggers you, sets that, then you might have a dry soul today. You might have a dry spirit. If you feel exhausted before your day is even halfway done, you might need to reorient your life around a connection to God. I'm not saying that. Sometimes it just, it just might be a simple fact of dialing things, things back. But the bottom line is, if we have a dry spirit, then we need to recognize that. Because this is what Jesus says. He says, when, there are, when these branches become disconnected and they dry up, they are going to come. He, I don't, he doesn't even define it. He says, they are going to come around and gather them up. Now, who are they? Who is they? Well, you know, DJ Khaled would say that they're the ones who uh, don't want you to succeed, right? They are the ones, whoever they might be, they are going to come around and gather them up. Well, they do have a keen sense for vulnerable spirits. I watched it happen over and over again for many years in ministry that when you see people get connected and dry up, there always, are, there always is a they around to come and gather that Dry branch up. There's always somebody looking to encourage your worst impulses. <laughs> There's always somebody who's going to feed your resentment. There's always somebody walking around looking for dried up spirits. And I want to encourage you today, if, if you aren't careful, if you stay disconnected, Jesus says, watch it because they're, you're going to get gathered up so easily. But if you're living in the awareness of God's goodness, of his mercy toward you, and staying connected in relationship and fellowship with him, that's not going to happen. Point number two, branches need pruning to bear fruit. You don't need to do anything, I've found, to get weeds to overrun your yard. <laughs> You don't need to, nobody's going out in their yard and thinking like, you know, man, I just, you know, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to throw some weed seed down over here, right? You know, because I'm not having enough crabgrass and other, you know, dandelions and stuff. Those weeds will grow up whether you want them to or not. And definitely you don't have to do anything. If you just let it be, it's going to grow. And here's the thing. This is the unfortunate reality of my life. I think it's probably true of yours, but I could definitely say it's true of mine. My own heart, my bias is away from godliness. Left to my own, to my own devices apart from Christ, I, I, my bias is away from godliness. My life experiences, my heart, they make it so that my life always needs tending to and washing on a regular basis. Because if I'm not careful, if I'm not tending to my heart, then I'll tell you what happens those weeds grow up. No spiritual experience, no matter how revolutionary, no wonderful moment can solve this problem. Nobody gets to be exempt from this. It doesn't matter if you've had a life-changing encounter with God, still you'll need to tend to your life. That's the way it works. Temptation, bad attitudes, I don't know about you, but hurts, they just jump on me. I don't have to ask them or invite them into my life. They just jump on me, and I've got to tend to that. Jesus tells us, that the gardener helps us. He tends to the branches. He prunes them. That means he cuts them back. The branch that doesn't get pruned back is going to, I'm told, is going to grow really beautiful leaves maybe, but will actually bear no fruit. So you can have a pretty looking branch without any fruit. But the Bible says that the Lord, the ones that the Lord loves, he disciplines. Those whom God loves, he disciplines. Now, some of you guys can relate. I got this letter from somebody years ago. It says, Dear Pastor Steve, 
Many parents have a challenge with children who misbehave. I have found that grounding or restricting my children has not been effective. So I have tried other methods to discipline my children when they are misbehaving. One that I have found effective is for me just to take the child for a car ride and talk. Maybe it's the change of scenery. Maybe it's time away from distractions. Either way, my kids almost always calm down and stop misbehaving after our car ride together. Eye-to-eye -eye contact helps a lot, too. I've included a photo below from a session with one of my children in case you would like to use the technique. We see that? There it is. <laughs> This car ride technique works with grandchildren, nieces, and nephews as well. Please feel free to pass this along to other parents, right? So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sincerely anonymous, so it was never signed. So uh, here's the thing. The Bible says that the ones that God loves, he disciplines. If he cares about you, he is going to step in when your life gets off track. When you start having these moments where, 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 where you get out in the wrong direction or, or maybe where you are, uh, you're experiencing that, the, all the leafiness but none of the fruit, God may actually begin to prune some things back. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it is doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Nobody likes this point, but it might be the most important point that I had to share today because the Jesus way is the way of the vine. And that means that if we're going to stay connected to the vine and if we're going to bear fruit, we're actually going to feel the knife sometimes. There's this thing called sucker shoots. Every vine has branches that will grow off of it that don't bear any fruit. And if a good gardener is, is always going to prune back the sucker shoots from those branches because they're not producing any fruit, what they're doing is they're sucking all the life out of the branch, but they're not actually producing any fruit. So some of you guys are sitting here today, and you're like, well, I married this sucker. God isn't going to prune him out of your life. That's not what I'm talking about. He's not pruning him out of your life, okay? That's not what we're talking about. That difficult husband, that difficult wife, that friend, that whatever it might be, that, that they're all a part of God's process of making you more virtuous, more godly, and so you might need to find some wise counsel in how to walk through this, but part of what God is going to do in your life is he's going to actually let you feel the knife so that those character qualities that are in you that are not godly, that, that actually do get triggered because of that person in your life, God's going to say, now that's what I'm wanting to deal with. And that may hurt when you make mistakes. It may hurt when you are moving in the wrong direction and God shuts a door. But this is what God wants to do to help bring life and fruit for you. In the old days before antibiotics, if you were wounded, the only way to protect against infection was to rub salt in the wound. And we talk about it today, oh, it was like salt in the wound, but we don't think of it as a healing. It was painful because you could feel it when, I mean, when you rub salt in the wound, it was painful, but it was also life-saving. And this is what it's like when God prunes us. It's painful, but it's not the kind of pain that harms us. It's the kind of pain that heals us. In Isaiah, God says this to Isaiah, and I remember reading this the first time. I have these like vivid memories sometimes of the first time that I encountered certain verses in the Bible. And I remember that in this verse where God says, I am the one who wounds and I am the one who binds up. And we say, wow, I never thought of him like that. 
Why would he make me go through this? Why? How could he do this to me? It feels like, so I've heard so many people say, it feels like God is out to get me. No. But he is the one who wounds, and he will bind you up. It's his discipline. And it's not the same as revenge or retribution. When a child disobeys, it's true. A parent can get angry, right? But that anger is coming from a place of love. And any action that, that, that results toward that child should be rooted in love. It, it shouldn't be payback. And some of you guys are like, well, your kids just aren't old enough, Steve. You'll get them payback sometime. Like, no, I, we, that's not how discipline works. It's not payback. It's this, the idea, the goal of God's discipline is to inflict enough pain to destroy the fool behavior without destroying the fool. That's the point. That's what discipline does. The goal is change, not punishment. The Bible says that if you are in Christ Jesus, God actually arranges, watch me here, God actually arranges your suffering so that nothing comes to your life except that which cooperates with God's work to save you both for heaven and to ready you for fruitfulness here on earth. That's the whole point. That's why David said, it was good that I was afflicted, God. If you read in the Psalms, you see that curious verse where he said, it was good that I was afflicted because I learned your laws and I wouldn't have had you not wounded me, God. When the good gardener takes the knife to us, the point is so that in the end, we can flourish. My darkest season of life and what I hope is... I hope it's the darkest night of my soul that I'll ever experience. During that time, I, I kind of did a world tour. And by a world tour, I mean I literally flew around the world to every friend and mentor and everybody that I could talk to looking for some answer and some hope, some salve, if I could use that word, that could be in the wound of the loss that I experienced after losing my first wife. And I remember I spent a few days um, with Don and Terry Triplett in El Salvador and many, many tearful conversations, moments uh, really where I think like most other people that I talked to, there was nothing that they could say that could, you know, and this is, this is still months after uh, that, that, that her death and, and here I am just wrecked in this moment and I think they, they just didn't know what to say. And on the way back to the airport, um, driving from San Salvador to the coast where the airport is located. Um, Don and I were driving, and, and, and Don, who'd been, I mean, you have to understand Don, he'd seen combat in Vietnam. He's, you know, he and his family endured all kinds of things. Uh, they were there through the, throughout the Civil War in El Salvador. He raised his kids in the middle of this thing. I mean, he has seen pain. And, and uh, we're driving back to, and I, and I said this, this curious thing to him. I said, you know, if this plane goes down today, because here I am, like, just wallowing in, in, this, in this sorrow, really. And I said, if this plane goes down today, there'll be one happy person on board. And I think it got frustrated Don. <laughs> He's like, I've heard enough of this. <laughs> and he says, Steve, I don't know what to tell you, but learn your lessons. He said, learn your lessons, Steve, because there are some things you will only learn during this season you can't learn them any other time in your life. And as I look back on that season of my life, 
it's not anything I would ever wish on anybody. It's not anything I would ever want to go through again. But I can look and I can point to precious things that I learned. Precious things that took place in my heart. Precious encounters and experiences with the Lord. And changes that took place in me that I know would have never taken place had it not been for that. I could not learn those things through any other. It, it, was, it wasn't that I think this was the purpose behind it, but I know if God would allow it into my life, if God would allow this to happen, then he's going to use it to prune some things back so that I could be more fruitful. I want you to see this today because some of you have wondered, well, the feeling when we go through this, these experiences of pain is God can't be in this and does God have it out for me? Even reading the book of Job, you can see, it's like everybody in Job's life, everybody is telling him, God has it out for you. He's taken his, he's taken his revenge on you, Job. You must have done something that made him mad. You must have done something wrong. And Job's the only one who's like literally defending God to his friend. God isn't like that, and I, and is anything I done? God, I don't know what the purpose is. It's, it's interesting to see this whole back and forth through, through, you know, 42 chapters in Job, All the while, Job is saying this isn't what God does. He's not, he's not vengeful. And if we go to the New Testament, we see this incredible, incredible story of Jesus who is born, who, who, is, who lives up, grows up in obscurity, and who comes on the scene like in a flash where, where, where he announces that the kingdom of God has arrived, and he's enacting it. He's like living it out, walking it out, welcoming sinners, healing the sick. All these incredible things are happening as Jesus is walking among people, and that everybody is hopeful. This could be the day. This could be the moment. And then all the sudden it's like that light gets snuffed out and nobody understands how we thought he was the one and here we saw him suffering humiliated naked on a cross and now he's in a tomb until that morning when Jesus is raised to new life to the surprise of everyone around him and they begin to understand. This is the thing. God might hand out discipline, but if we understand correctly, he's actually taking the punishment on himself. That's why you never have to worry. If you are in Jesus, whatever comes to your life, it is not punishment. It is discipline. And there's a difference because the discipline is designed to produce change in you. The discipline is designed to actually make you more fruitful. It's not punishment because Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserved. Isaiah 53 says the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, flourish in righteousness, for by his wounds we are healed. So today, don't mistake what God is up to in your life. He is after fruitfulness in you. But you can't have it. You can't have it. You can't have that confidence apart from Christ.